All right. Well, good evening. How are you guys doing tonight? We're still we're still somewhat warm, but that's supposed to change here shortly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get started with our first song tonight. What are we doing? At the cross. All right. Let's stand. We'll sing together. One twenty-nine. At the cross.
Johnny Chestnut had had um, thank you surgery today. Uh, Carol on his shoulder, Johnny on his knee. I haven't heard from either of them. Has anybody heard from? I've got texting. That may be one of them right there. I've talked to Vince and Coco. Okay. Can you hear me now, Doc or Andrea? I just got a message from Doc Barber. Can't hear you. Wireless is not working. Okay, so I'll pull this one back up. Can you hear me now? Can you? Still testing. So I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, so you got one. Okay. John's home and was on his way to recovery, so that's good news. We're glad to hear that. Anybody have news on Carol by any chance? So uh, just pray for both of them as they recover. Uh, Andrea Barber has a surgery on. Friday, so if you would pray for her uh, as well. Um, seems like there's somebody else in there. That Robert's been doing tests all week, uh, and yep, they can hear me now. So thank you. Uh, so he's got another test on Sunday afternoon, and that's the last of the tests. And you see the doctor on. been a crazy week for uh, you know, many people here, so just uh, keep praying for one another. And then just with the weather, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but as Jason already mentioned, on Sunday or Monday, I think it is, the high is three, something like that, lows in the negatives. So having said all of that, we are, in, we are in January the 10th, and we've had virtually no bad weather, right? So we can't really complain. Uh, so, yeah, you can if you want to, I guess, but I'm not going to complain. Let's put it that way. So, I, I think I can live with this. So far, it's reminiscent of uh, last last winter. Last winter, we only salted the parking lot once, and even then, we kind of wasted the salt because it didn't need it. And uh, so, I can live with that. Uh, two winters ago, by this time, we were running out of salt and had to reorder, and we ordered by the you know, so we have a skid of salt and gone through, and so, you know, hey, Lord knows. Anyway, um, so when it comes time to pray, if you just kind of remember all of those people in your prayer times, and Brother Chuck? pray now, but then I'll just remind you to pray at the end of the service together. Father, we have so many that we're thinking of right now, and uh, our hearts are hurting for them, but we're encouraged by the news that we're hearing. Pray that you would continue to uh, watch over each one of them as their things are upcoming as well, uh, that you would just watch over those, keep hearts calm, and uh, give a peace that passes understanding, guide doctors as they uh, are helping guide through health issues get everybody home and back with their families soon. Pray that you would just meet with us tonight in a very special way. Help us to grow in your grace as we study together. Be with our teenagers, our college students, our young people as they're uh, meeting throughout the buildings. That you would just uh, touch those uh, class meetings and just uh, encourage them and lift them up. Give our church wisdom as we consider uh, the woods and what we might do there with that couple. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to continue our study of spanning the Testament. So I'll get back in front of this microphone, I know. So um, this is just one we're doing on our own. It's, it's been interesting. I'm trying to figure out just how to, as I'm putting it together, how to 
bridge it all and make it happen. So I think I think I'm finally starting to get it figured out some, but uh, I've, it's been just a fun study for me anyway, just getting ready for it. So hopefully you guys will get something out of it as we go through it. Uh, this is week number three, technically. Uh, we've already looked at Cain, but we're kind of going back a little bit because I want to look at some of the things that are that are in here. There's a, I'm gonna I'm gonna this. This is the evening service, which means it goes out over the airways. It's a little bit different, but uh, years ago, has anybody ever heard a sermon about the mark of Cain? So years ago, I heard a sermon, and I've read a few books. And, you know, it's people's thinking. Uh, you know, just praise the Lord, we grow, right? Just, I'm just wanting you to understand that, but. Uh, there was at one time a thought that the mark of Cain was racial in nature. It's not. You understand? It's not. But anyway, so here's the mark of Cain. That I'm going to point it out to you. So, you know, here's what God says it's going to be. When you till the ground, it's not going to work for you. You're going to be a fugitive in a vagabond. Uh, and then God marks him because Cain says, this is too hard. Uh, I can't deal with it. And I'm just, I hope that somebody will kill me. And uh, God says, uh, it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me, Cain says. And the Lord says, therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. The Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any man finding him should kill him. So it was obvious that whoever saw him would say, that's the one we've been hearing about. And uh, they wouldn't kill him. You know, I don't know exactly how it worked. Uh, but anyway, so I'm just bringing that up uh, as we look at that one. Uh, in the New Testament, we hadn't gotten to this part of Cain yet. He's been mentioned 17 times in the scripture by name. Uh, in the New Testament, it says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And why did he slew, slay him? Wherefore did he slew him? Uh, slew him? Uh, because his own works were evil. And uh, that was, you know, the emphasis that God was putting on. This was a heart issue for Cain. Woe unto them, Jude says, for they have gone in the way of Cain and run greedily after the heir of Balaam. So uh, we see that <clears throat> way of Cain is mentioned there. What is the way of Cain? We kind of talked about it. What was Cain's big issue? What was the way of Cain? Anger, envy, jealousy, pride, fit in all those. That, that's it. That's the way of Cain, right? So going the way of Cain is a big deal. We ought to stay away from it. And uh, so we just kind of bring that up. Then we come into the Seth. Uh, statement. He's mentioned by name eight times in the scripture. That's both in Old and New Testament, eight times. Uh, he is in the line of Christ. Uh, and remember, we looked already that, you know, Eve said, God has appointed me another seed instead of Abel. I, I mentioned this morning, um, and I guess I'll mention it again, that I don't think it's wise to approach our kids this way. God isn't necessarily saying this is the way it should be done. He's just simply telling you what Eve said. Uh, but if you lose one son, you know, to count another as a replacement is kind of a, you know, that's kind of a difficulty, right? There's no replacement there. There's no real replacement, right? We love all of our kids. And so replacement it might not be the view I would encourage us to take. And I say this as someone who actually experienced this. Right, so uh, before I was born, uh, in July of 1959, my five-year-old brother was hit by a car and was killed. My mom had been scheduled for a hysterectomy in August of 1959, but because of my brother's death, they postponed the surgery. Uh, in February of 1961, I was born, and so. That just seemed like okay, but I'm going to tell you, this is not just seemed like. When my mom died, she had written all of us kids letters, and and uh, my letter literally read, "I was falling apart because of Mike's death, and God gave me you." You know. Now let me ask you something. You think I was probably spoiled because of that? <laughs> not probably the greatest parenting, you know, way to approach this. I was, it was a double whammy for me because I was a baby of six to begin with, so I was going to be spoiled no matter what. And then, So uh, literally, my mom in this letter calls me an angel from God 
to minister to her soul. You know, that's the way my mom viewed it. Just like Eve, it's kind of interesting. But I, will, I don't encourage people to parent that way. Uh, but, you know, you can't change your feelings, so it is what it is, and God records it. Uh, in Genesis 4, we already looked at this last week again. Seth then has a son named Enos. And the Bible says this, Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. So, it's hard to fully understand this one. How much time has passed? We go Adam, and then Seth, and then Enos. So this is a grandson of Adam. But we're talking about hundreds of years already. If you look at the calendar, you know, Adam and Eve have been on the planet for hundreds of years already. Hundreds. And so, for the first time, prayer is mentioned uh, in the picture. It's kind of an odd situation. And so, but this is what the Bible says, so we're going to take God at his word. We don't know how they, they anticipated the communication being prior to that. But it dawned on men with, you know, at this time that they could actually have a conversation with God in, in this thing called prayer. Uh, in Luke chapter 3, we see then uh, the mention of Seth in the New Testament. And the reason, because he's, he's, he's not a central figure in Old or New Testament other than this. He begins the, the line of Christ from Adam and Eve. That line of Christ comes through Seth and uh, through Mary in Luke chapter 3, uh, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God, and is giving you Christ's um, uh, genealogy there through Mary. So uh, just, you know, Seth is a, an important figure, even though he's not, doesn't carry a huge place of importance. But now we come to a man that everybody does know about, a man called Enoch. Tell me what you know about Enoch. He didn't die. He didn't die. That's huge, you know. There's, uh, that's, this is a big deal. Um, so some, some have said that the, the two witnesses in the book of the Revelation would, would, be, would need to be Enoch and Elijah. Elijah also did not die. And the two witnesses then come and, and testify, and then they die. And I've heard it preached, you know, it needs to be Enoch and Elijah because it's appointed them and wants to die, and they haven't died. I would struggle to preach that. Why? Yeah, no proof. The Bible doesn't say it, right? I mean, I'm not going to put words in God's mouth. I think God's smart enough to say, hey, John, this is Enoch and Elijah, if that's what he wanted to say, right? He didn't. So I'm not going to put words in God's mouth. Some have. I've heard it preached. Some have preached that... It was Elijah and, and uh, Moses. Why? They appeared with Christ at the Mount of Transfiguration. And so, oh, okay, the Bible doesn't say that either. So why do we... Remember, we've been talking about this for, for all, almost every week. Does it bother you that God doesn't tell us everything? Well, God didn't tell us. He just doesn't tell us everything. And by the way, if it bothers somebody that says... It's appointed that men wants to die, and these men didn't die, so they need to come back to die. What do you do with Lazarus? It's appointed that men wants to die. How many times did Lazarus die? Does that bother you? <laughs> I mean, uh, God's God, you understand? I mean, he's the one that makes the rules, and so God's God. There were several people who were raised from the dead, several, uh, throughout the scripture, and they died again. And so if that verse is going to be the thing you're going to hang your hat on for Enoch and Elijah, it doesn't make any sense for all the ones who died twice, right? So I'm just simply saying, you know, we're not going to say it. But it is true that Enoch did not die. Let's take a look at what it says here. Enoch was 65 years and begat Methuselah. You know something about Methuselah. What do you know about him? Oldest man, that, at least recorded in the Bible, in the, in the Scripture, uh, God didn't record everybody, right? And I'm assuming that during this time, a lot of people were living to be 900 because God recorded a lot of them to live to be 900. So there were probably others. Uh, but the oldest one in the Bible listed is Enoch, who lived 969 years. Uh, then in Genesis chapter 5, it says this, And Enoch walked with God after, after he begat Methuselah 300 more years, right? So 
He's 65, so another 300 years after Methuselah is born, and during that time, he has sons and daughters. All right, so this is Enoch. Now, it is interesting that um, this phrase, walked with God, translated just that way, walked with God, is only used three times in the entirety of the Bible. And it's used twice, right here, you'll see, about Enoch. Who's the other one? It's the great-grandson of Enoch, a man called Noah, who walked with God. That's the only people in the Bible that are ever described, you know, at least in your King James Bible, with that translation of they walked with God. So Enoch walked with God. And uh, so look at verse chapter 5, verse 24. It says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, if that's the only place that you saw this in the Bible, you might not come to the conclusion that he didn't die. I mean, have you ever heard somebody use this about death? Is so-and-so still in the hospital? No, God took him. And we say it as a comfort, you know, like God took him. But that's not what this means, and we'll prove it to you in just a moment. You know, so, and so Enoch walked with God. He was not for God took him. Look at verse chapter, or Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. It says this, By faith, Enoch, when he was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because God had translated him, for before he, his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. And by the way, that's what it means to walk with God, is to please God, right? That, he had that testimony that he pleased God. He walked with God. And so the Bible is very clear when you get to Hebrews 11 that he did not see death. He was translated. Now I'm going to ask you this question. What do you think? Could there be another Enoch today? Why not? You know, we have certain things that we say, well, they're dispensational. This has nothing to do with dispensations. So it's not like God was dealing with people differently during this time than like that's specific to this dispensation. It's God did a unique thing. He did a unique thing with Elijah when he took him up in the chariot of fire without seeing death. God did a unique thing. Can God still do those things? Sure. It is also telling, though, that in all the Scripture... There's not very many described as having walked with God. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just that's just an it's just an interesting thing to say. Uh, some I've heard it described, and this is again, this is not biblical. This is just a a way to understand it. Enoch and God are walking together. Enoch walked with God, and they're walking with God. And the day was getting late, and Enoch says, "You know, God, I better get back. It's getting late." And God says, "You know, we're closer to my house. You just want to come home." Come with me, and, and that's the idea. You know, I, I love the thought. The sentiment is really cool. That you know, you could walk so close to God. That, wow! But you know, it, it's just a way of understanding it. But uh, here's what the Bible says: I do believe. I personally believe that it's possible that God could do that again if He so chose. You know, I believe that it's even possible that there's other people out there that it did happen to. We, did, you know, we don't have all of recorded history. We only have things mentioned. But did, has God done things in people's lives that we don't read in the Bible? Sure. You know, so has God done big things in people's lives that we don't read in the Bible? Sure. So, you know, I don't know what to say. It's possible. Uh, but God recorded this one for us, and this is Enoch. Uh, and when you get to Jude 14, it says, And Enoch also, there's only one chapter in Jude, so Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, so we know we're talking about that Enoch, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. So Enoch was a preacher, and he's making proclamation that people need to be ready for the Lord's coming, be ready for the Lord's coming, uh, even way back when. And so uh, it's just, Enoch is a very, he's very unique. His two times in the New Testament are there in Hebrews and Jude, uh, 11 times in the Scripture, mostly in the book of Genesis. And so, uh, you know, this is this is just um, a great story, in my opinion. It is amazing how many Enochs we have. We have a lot of people named after Enoch. Remember, we talked about there's not uh, you know, in, even today. There's just not a lot of people named after certain. How many Lamechs do you know? Anybody know Lamech? You know, he's uh, he's uh, what he's is that uh, Noah's father? 
And so, you know, he's a good guy, it seems like, right? He's in line of Seth. Uh, he's, you know, Noah's father, so raised Noah right. Uh, but anyway, we don't have a lot of those, but you do have a lot of Enochs, and I don't know if people are, like, hoping that maybe their son would be, uh, be the next one to be translated. I don't know, but uh, you have that Enoch. That brings us to Noah. We'll finish out. We're not going to finish everything to be said about Noah today, but we'll finish out today on Noah. Uh, He is called by name 51 times in the Scripture. When you get to the New Testament, though, if you're trying to look him up, you you do know this, I'm sure, already, but if you're looking up in the King James Bible, his name is not spelled N-O-A-H. How's it spelled? N-O-E, okay? And and so if you're trying to find Noe, uh, that's you know, that you'll find it there, but if you're trying to find Noah in the New Testament, you're not going to find him there. Uh, but 51 times throughout the Scripture, there's one passage of Scripture. We'll probably look at it a little more intensely next week because it's just a, a unique passage of Scripture, but we'll mention it tonight as we kind of go through it. But uh, this is Noah. You know a lot about Noah already, right? I mean, Noah's the big name in the Bible, one of those big names in the Bible. Even a big name in the Bible is just 51 times. It's amazing. Uh, it's not more times than that. But with Noah, we have a lot of firsts. We're going to have our first rain. We're going to have a first full-scale judgment. One could argue, and I wouldn't argue this point, that the death was a full-scale judgment, right, that came as a result of sin. I'm aware of that. But now we have God actively engaging with the, the world in judgment. And in chapter 6 and verse 8, we have another first mention. What is it? Grace. And Noah found grace. First time in the scripture that grace is mentioned. Now we're over a thousand years into creation. Adam lived 930 years and he's already dead and gone. You understand? We're over a thousand years into creation. Uh, Methuselah lived 962 years. He was born after Adam. He's already dead and gone at the time of at least at the time of the flood, uh, not when Noah's born. But, um, but for the very first time mentioned now, a thousand, over a thousand years into creation, God mentions grace. Is grace new to God? No. God, God does not change, right? I'm the Lord, I change not. So God is, is, has always been a gracious God, always. But now we're going to see what grace looks like. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, these are the generations of Noah. This is kind of an interesting thing uh, as we look at this. We'll, we'll jump at it in just a moment. But uh, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. That means that perfect means mature, not, you know, that he was sinless. No one was sinless. And Noah, there it is again. There's that phrase. It's the only other time it's used in the scripture. Twice for Enoch, once for Noah, walked with God. That's the kind of person Noah was. Uh, so when you get to chapter 6 and verse 10, uh, this is what I think is interesting. Up till now, as God is recording genealogies, he would say things like, and Noah was, a, or, and Adam was 130 years and he begat Seth. And I'm making up numbers here. I don't remember them off the top of my head. But God would give an age of the dad and who was born. We come here to Noah and it's like, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth. They are not triplets. They weren't all born on the same day. It's not that kind of thing. Uh, it's just this is the way God does it. He sums it up, whereas before, you know, God was kind of timing it all out for us. And he still times it out for us, just not in the way of the births. Uh, you'll see how God times it out So, um, as, as we look at all this. So now we have judgment and mercy because of God's grace. Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. God is a merciful God still, even through his judgment. Here's what's happening on the earth. This is important because we're looking at Noah in the Old and New Testament. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus makes a statement. As it was in the days of Noah, Noe, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And then here it is. He's going to describe what it was like in the days of Noah, right here for us anyway. And uh, now we see a, a... a clear rendition of it in Second Timothy chapter two, where he says, "In the last last days, men should be lovers of themselves," and it goes through this whole list, right? But here's how God sums it up: The earth was corrupt, filled with violence, and everybody was involved. You know, this is 
This is how God sums it up. All flesh, uh, it was corrupted for all the flesh, all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So this is the condition of the earth at the time of Noah, the condition of society at the time of Noah. Sound familiar? I mean, would we look at our world right now and say, oh, it's corrupt, filled with violence, and pervasive is the evil thereof, you know? Will we say that now? And that's, that's how, as it was in the days of Noah. Uh, and God said to Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me because the earth was, is filled with violence. And so God repeats this violent concept. You know, that's a big deal to God. It's, uh, the earth is filled with violence. I mean, just stop and think about this. We, we can bemoan all of it, and we can say it's political in nature, and it might be partly, but the reality is violence is increasing because of evil. It's not just because of governance or the lack thereof. It's because evil is increasing. I mean, there was a time in America where we had less law and less violence, right? Because people had a conscience that was working more. And so, you know, um, I was in the car the other day listening to radio. I listen to radio on my own way back, driving anyplace. And so a commercial comes on. And the commercial is, don't drive high. I thought, what, a, what have we done? Have we lowered the standard that much? So you go back to Betty Ford, those of you who can remember when Gerald Ford was the president, and Betty Ford started a campaign that was what? What was the campaign? Anybody know? Say no to drugs, right? That used to be the standard. Don't use them. Now the standard is it's okay to use them, just don't drive while you're doing it. What have we done to ourselves? I mean, look where we're going as a society. It's like, don't drive high. Well, how about this? Just don't get high. Wouldn't that be a great idea? Let's, you know, and so that's how different it's been. And we're just talking about 40 or 50 years. It's not changed. You know, I mean, it's not that long ago, but society has changed that much. We're, we're tumbling toward this. And uh, now we don't have to worry about a, a flood because God's made a promise, right? So we don't have to worry about that. Uh, but uh, we do have to consider some other things. So here's what God says to Noah. Make thee an ark. By the way, that's going to be kind of a first, you know, for people making this giant ship of gopher wood. Anybody know what gopher wood is? If you read some uh, commentaries, you're going to find a lot of guesses. I struggle with guesses. I just do. I don't care. I mean, it's, it's the wood. It's not that big a deal, right? But if God doesn't tell me what it is, if we don't know historically what gopher wood is today, then that's okay. I don't have to create something in my brain to be able to accept it. Uh, but you'll be amazed how many people get stuck on those kinds of things. But anyway, uh, when you read in the commentaries, they'll come up with all kinds of different wood for it. Um, but God says, use gopher wood, make an ark, use pitch, which is some kind of a tar, and pitch it within and without. Have you, how many of you have not been to the ark? You've not been to the ark exhibit. Wow. Okay, so that's more than I would have expected. Go. I don't know what you're waiting for. Go to the ark. It's expensive. I know. Spend the 50 bucks, take the day, and go do it. It's worth it. And uh, it will give you an appreciation of this story like never before. They have done their best to try to stick with everything the Scripture says. I'm going to tell you, they took poetic license. You understand what poetic license is? They, what they did was, and I, I can appreciate this, but again, if you walk away from there saying this is how it was, you better be careful. We only have what the Bible tells us. But So they took poetic license in that they added the science to the model and said, well, you know, if, if Noah did this and Noah did this. And so they've got a system, they've come up with a system that Noah could have done with the technology of the day and the tools of the day to have given them fresh water, to have dealt with sewage, to have, they show you how it's all done. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's phenomenal. And, I mean, when you see it, you're like, that's phenomenal. Um, and so, 
But again, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us all of these things. But here's what we want to get to. Look at verse chapter 7, verse 5. Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. By the way, that is what it means to walk with the Lord, right? The very few people that Noah did everything God said. How long did it take for Noah? How long? 120 years. 120 years. That's a long time, right? I mean, this is a big job. Um, again, you might get discouraged, but we, we talked about this last week with keeping our mindset on life if you're going to live 900 years. And you're vibrant. You are at your peak, not for 10 or 15 years like we are today. You're at your peak for 400 years. You know, So if, if you could live at your peak, and you, you would enjoy life. I, I know this to be a fact because... I watch people who aren't living at their peak who scratch and claw to live out another day or two or year or two longer. You know, we don't want to give up this life, and, and we don't live at our peak for very long. So can you imagine if you could live at your peak for hundreds of years? You wouldn't, it wouldn't, you wouldn't begrudge it quite as much. But anyway, so Noah does this. Look at chapter 7, verse 6. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood comes. And he doesn't die in the flood. He survives it. He's 600 years old when the, the flood comes. And uh, we'll, we're going to talk about the flood in just a little bit. Look at this. So chapter 7, verse 11 says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, the second month, the 17th, I have to tell you this, so I got saved when I was 16. And I decided shortly after, I'm going to read the Bible. You know, I hadn't done that. So I'm, I started Genesis. I get over to Genesis chapter 7. And I, I remember specifically calling my mom. I said, Mom, you'll never believe this. The flood started on my birthday. Second month, 17th day of the month. I'm February 17th. What I didn't know is they're not going by the calendar of our day. It was not on my birthday. I was so disappointed when I found that out. I'm like, <laughs> I thought, that is so cool. And my mom didn't know any better. She's like, oh, wow, son, that's really great. <laughs> and, uh, oh, okay, so. But uh, it wasn't my birthday. But anyway, on the second, 17th day of the month, same day, were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now, you've all heard these things. I'm going to tell you, I, I, I believe it. I'm telling you that I believe it, but I can't prove it. I'm not preaching it. It's one thing for me to believe something. Another thing for me to preach, thus saith the Lord. But the canopy theory makes sense. You know what the canopy theory is. So it's the idea that when the earth was created, God created a firmament of water in the heavens. That's clear. The Bible says that. The Bible says here that the heaven, the windows of heaven were opened. Uh, there's water underneath us. That's still true today, by the way. I just read, I just read a couple weeks ago. It's kind of an interesting read. It had nothing to do with this study. But that there is more water under the Earth's crust than on the Earth's crust. So all of the oceans, add them together, there's more water under the Earth's crust than there is on the Earth's crust, even today, which is an amazing statement. Uh, but, um, you know, so the idea was that there was a that there was a wall canopy of water that surrounded the globe. What that would do in the theory is it would, it would make the earth a terrarium, which would mean there would be a constant temperature around the globe. You understand? It would be... So while we still had a North Pole and a South Pole from the aspect of, of orbit, of, of, a, of rotation, we did not we would not have a North Pole and South Pole that were freezing. Because it would be just this constant temperature. And so it is true that we had not seen rain yet. I'll show you that in just a moment. So we hadn't rained on the earth yet. It is true that the Bible literally describes that a mist rises up, and that's how everything is watered. Read Genesis earlier. That's true. So... It makes sense to me. I'll agree that it makes sense. It also would account for the for the ice age concept when 
when that all collapsed upon the earth and, and how quickly the entire earth could become so full of water that it would go above the mountains as the waters from underneath and the waters from above are coming uh, upon the earth. But then you would immediately, with the collapse of the canopy, you would have poles that were temperate now. So you would have a cold North Pole and a cold South Pole for the first time. And so that could account for, you know, seeing animals frozen in place because of this drastic changes that are coming about. I'm just saying there's some, there's some logic to it. The Bible doesn't tell us that exactly. Hints at it, you know, so I believe it, but I'm not going to preach it like it's thus saith the Lord because I don't like putting words in God's mouth. God tells us what we need to know. We've got enough that we need to know, and we can trust him with the rest of it. Uh, but then it rains for 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, they're not in the ark for just 40 days and 40 nights. You remember that, right? So they're in the ark for months upon months. But uh, it rains for 40 days and 40 nights. And the same day, all of this happens on the same day, uh, you know, the beginning of it all anyway. And that's, that's the same day that Noah entered the ark with his sons and their wives and they all get on the ark, and every beast of every kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl of the, after his kind, and every bird every sort of every sort. And they went in into the ark, everything that was breathing air. Look what it says. Two of two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of Everything is breathing air. That's, you know, that's what God's you know, taking into the ark. I guess we could argue about the, uh, the whales at some point. So, uh, you know, so this is what God puts on the ark. Uh, and so, but we had not seen rain, and that's an interesting concept. Again, that's where the canopy theory makes some sense to me. Here's what the Bible says about rain. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, being warned of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Genesis chapter 2 said it this way. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the tree of the field before it grew, for the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth. Okay, so we're, we're here, and there's no rain happening. And, God's, and there was, you know, God's just taking care of everything. And so, you know, that's the concept here. This is all about Noah, but Noah was that man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so um, we're going to do a little more study about Noah. This is me attempting to give you a timeline that after I got it up here this morning, I realized, okay, mine didn't show up any better. There are timelines out there. People have been calling me, Pastor, I've got this one. They've been bringing me books and bringing in that's great, and they are wonderful timelines. But to put something on a slide is really, really difficult. So actually, we had somebody bring in a timeline tonight. They said, we can just keep it, and we're going to hang it up, and I'm going I'm to put it on a wall someplace. I'll find a wall for it. And you go, but it—they're all very detailed, and there's some—it's complicated. You know, you've got to stand there and look at it, and it's pretty fine print, and it's even a big poster. Uh, so, uh, but I, I bring this to you. So Adam is the first one up there. He lives 930 years. Do you see where Adam's line stops? If you can try in your mind to draw that line all the way down, do you know what you see? Adam's life crosses over Lemek, Noah's dad. Now, I'll grant you that there's a thousand years that's taking place, and people are having babies left and right. Uh, you know, the Bible declares some of the children that are born, but then he always sums it up with, and they had sons and daughters, 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 and so by the time you get to a thousand years, starting even with only two people, but two people who are able to give birth for hundreds of years, do you understand? I don't have any clue how many people might be on the planet at this point, but we're not talking about tens or hundreds, right? I mean, from my mom and dad down, there are 84 of us. From my mom and dad down. Miss Jeanette's family, there were how many kids? Fifteen kids. I have no idea how many. When your mom was living years ago, we said, can you count up how many? And she came up with 101 then. And that was from her 
down. So, you know, so I mean, we're, it, it's, um, you know, so you, that's just something you can see. You multiply that by however many, and it's very possible that these people had no connections to Adam whatsoever. It's very possible. But it is an interesting thing to note that Noah's dad could have known Adam personally. So, you know, when you, when you have the spans like that, so if you look down, you'll see two back from Noah is Methuselah, and his line is just barely before the flood. He lived 969 years, and he died just before the flood begins. And so there's just, I'm just showing you that. And how old was Noah when the flood began? 600 years old. And he lives beyond that, uh, I think another 300 years. We'll look at it next week, but I think it's another 300 years. So Noah, you know, Noah's an, a long lifer. Um, shortly after this, life starts changing a lot. Um, by the way, the canopy theory kind of plays into that as well. Um, just from a physiological standpoint, it's easier for us to live long life without the exposure to the elements that the canopy was, would have guarded us from. But now you take away the UV rays and all those kinds of things. But the bottom line is it's all about sin, right? It's all about sin and its impact on, on our society and on, on the world. Sin started the concept, the scientific um, law of entropy, right? Which says what? Everything's deteriorating. Everything's getting worse. Not better. Everything's getting worse. And so that's why as we get older, we don't get better. <laughs> no matter what the song says. Anybody know that song? You're not getting older. You're getting better. You guys remember that song? It's not true. You're not getting better. You're getting older. That's it. You're just getting older. <laughs> entropy sets in. And so, you know, there's entropy involved. You can put the, you can put the canopy in there as a, a big factor if you want. I believe it probably was. But, again, uh, it's just me telling you what I believe. Uh, I can't necessarily say what the Scripture says. So we're going to pick up on Noah because Noah's uh, also a New Testament, you know, he shows up in the New Testament, so we want to take a look at that next week, and then we'll jump on into the, another study next week. Don't forget, if you would please, when you break up into prayer groups, to pray for those ones. Uh, Smith Andrea's surgery on Friday is, is a major surgery. Uh, I didn't ask her if I could share it, so I'll just say that it's a major surgery, and so just pray for her. Uh, it's not cancer or anything like that. All right, um, and then. Uh, I think that's all of the surgeries. I think that should be the last one for the week as far as surgeries. Everybody else is just in recovery. So just pray for the recovery side of all those things. All right. So as you break up into prayer groups, do that. And dismiss yourself when you're done. You are dismissed. God bless.